0: Welcome to Ministry Leaders Anonymous. My name is Chris Bartlett. And I'm Matt Rice, and we hope to provide a moment of sanity during a busy week of ministry. We've both worked in
1: ministry for over 18 years and have seen just about everything.
0: And as damaged as we are, we hope to bring light—oh man, I messed it up, (laughs) Chris—we're ready to (laughs) dive into and bring light to the hurts, hopes, and hungers that every minister has. Great. (laughs) So today we're talking about
1: something that I sometimes struggle with, and it's oversharing.
0: And I've struggled with on the podcast—
1: Oh, yes, you have, Mr. One-Eyed Jack. Yeah, yeah. It's a challenge because there's this tension between vulnerability and also this reality of like, okay, kind of Jesus in the raw. I want to share my life and my struggles, but not so much that it's a distraction. It becomes a distraction of sharing the gospel.
0: Yeah, we we all have this tension. We want to be real with the people that we're serving, and so we want to we don't want to just give them this fake image of uh, or this Facebook or social media image of what our life is. You know, we want to give them the real deal of who, who we go, what we go through, the struggles that we have. And then but then sometimes we we end up sharing things that we actually haven't healed from or that we haven't even addressed ourselves. And so that's that's kind of what we're talking about here is is that and then sometimes getting too personal with the people that you're doing ministry with.
1: Just for the sake of an example, uh, my wife and I suffered a miscarriage, and one night in our youth program, I was talking, and it, it seemed it seemed like it was appropriate to share. Okay, this is connected to what we're talking about, but I hadn't healed from it yet, mm. and so it didn't it didn't necessarily derail them, but it stopped me in my tracks because I I got choked up, I got emotional about it, and. Uh, and there's times where emotion in, in, a, in a witness, in a testimony, in a talk, um, it can actually really accent it. And I know that sounds weird. It's like, okay, insert emotion now. It needs to be authentic. Everything needs to be authentic and, and real. But in that case, I was oversharing to myself. Like my heart wasn't ready to
0: deal with that. And the audience you're talking to also, I mean, high schoolers in, in certain times might be ready to hear stuff like that, hear testimonies like that. Elementary school students? Probably not the right audience. Now, I, I don't know if you guys know, the listeners know, that we we have another ministry that we run here at Ablaze Ministries. It's called Beyond the Pew, and it's for parents. It's a resource for parents. Well, we recently had in that Facebook group, we had my wife actually talking about the miscarriages that ha- have happened to us. That audience is parents, you know, people that have gone through this. And and my wife had has healed through it, and she shared like in in her video, you know, about this. That is an appropriate audience and a, an appropriate level of sharing, right? Absolutely. For the same topic, yeah. It may be that the audience that you're talking to just isn't there yet, and sometimes we overstep and share experiences that that age group shouldn't hear. Now, a lot, a lot of the people that listen to this podcast are, are working with. Adults, you know, so there's there's a a a further depth that you can have, but then there's also a level of personal, I guess, what's going on in my personal life that that may not need to be public knowledge, maybe small group knowledge, because that's another difference in audience. You know, if you if you share something with the whole crowd of people, it may not be appropriate, but if you share it with just six people, that may be perfectly appropriate.
1: Yeah, so that that's important to note, like. Oversharing doesn't just happen from the stage or the microphone or the presenter. It can also happen in discussion groups. It can also happen in one-on-ones. You know, uh, when we're meeting with a a parent or a teen or a a, a family, we can find ourselves like, okay, now it's a smaller context. So an increased level of vulnerability is appropriate. And you might overshoot that and Mm -hmm. overshare or experience oversharing on their part. And, And I've seen that where parents have come and talked with me. And, uh, and maybe overshared a little bit about their situation. Like, I'm here to talk with you about my son or my daughter. And then it ends up uh, kind of taking a sidetrack, and we're talking about their marriage. Mm. And, yeah. uh, and, and not in a way that would actually serve the purpose of ministering to their child, but kind of <laughs> throwing their spouse under the bus or something along those lines. And we're called to minister to them in that moment. But at, at the same time, we're also called to still partner with both parents, not just with the one parent, who might be lamenting, for lack of a better term, about their spouse.
0: And that, that brings up another topic is, and we're not necessarily talking about this today, because it, like oversharing, like when you're sharing someone else's story, like I think almost always that's oversharing. <laughs> you know, if you're telling someone else's story without permission, right. um, because you like same thing, when you're talking to a parent about a child, there's a level of confidentiality that you should have with the child unless they're in danger, of course, um, because you want to build that trust. And the same thing with regards to the parent and the other parent, them sharing that other parent's story or someone else's story. And I've even seen it in adult small groups where someone will tell someone else's story and name names and stuff like that. That's, that's not necessarily what we're talking here about here because that's, that's gossip, which is, yeah,
1: which but but it leads down the same level of oversharing if someone stands up and says, "Hey, you know, I really struggle with purity. Great, that's appropriate. Hey, I struggle with purity in regards to like my on my phone or on the internet. Okay, still appropriate. Hey, I struggle with purity. Specifically, it's this website, or specifically, it's this type of thing that I've been viewing, and that's dangerous because it could lead others to sin, yeah, right? Just like using names and things like that could lead others to gossip.
0: Well, and especially in mixed company, like if you have a, a small group of guys that's like just six guys that you meet with every week, you sure. can get you can share a lot more there. But if you have a a, a group of men and women and you start talking about purity things, then yeah, there's a definitely a, a lower threshold for for what's appropriate sharing.
1: But but the important thing to note is you can still accomplish the same thing. Without the oversharing, some people feel like okay. In order to move this along faster or connect quicker, I have to uh, I have to reach a level of vulnerability that goes beyond what's appropriate, in order to show guys, come on, I'm really opening myself up. Why don't you open yourself up as well? I think that the Holy Spirit can work in spite of, and I don't want to say oversharing can
0: sometimes be manipulative, but. Oversharing can sometimes be manipulative. Absolutely. You know, a lot of times, I mean, a lot, often it, it happens because people are hurting, you know, and, yes. and they and they want people to help them. They don't recognize that that's what's happening. Um, and sometimes it can be manipulating for sympathy. You know, I yeah. want you to feel bad for me. You right. You know, um, and I want attention. What the, what's really happening under there is they want healing. And right. then they just don't know it. They don't know how to communicate that. And so that's why this topic is so important for us as ministry leaders to recognize because there's woundedness out there and these people need healing. And so we have to recognize what's happening and then get them to the appropriate people to help them. Correct.
1: Yeah. So if there's, there's two pieces.
0: One is to
1: recognize the wound behind it and number two, to redirect the oversharing so that it's it it doesn't scandalize or or derail or distract from the gospel or the objective
0: so how do we recognize when someone is starting to overshare because we just gave all these other like what do you what do you call it Ex- like excuses or reasons or places where it's okay to overshare so am i supposed to run through this whole flowchart of okay we're here we're there there's this people there's it's all, it's all men it's okay they can share this here
1: No, we didn't give places where it's okay to overshare. We gave places where a deeper level of vulnerability is appropriate. True, true. It is never okay to overshare. Correct. In regards to that, there are varying levels, but let's start with participants first, right? Not not other volunteers, other ministry leaders, or or someone else from the stage, but let's say you're in a small group, at a dinner table, on a bus ride, whatever it is, with uh, some of the people that you're ministering to, and you guys get in a conversation, and all of a sudden you see oversharing uh, happen, right? Let's not say we see oversharing coming. Let's talk about that it's already happened. The toothpaste is out of the tube. (laughs) Now what what do you do?
0: What scenario are we in? Are we in a large group? Are we in a small group? Or are we one-on-one?
1: Let's go ahead and say small group because I think that would be the most common. One-on-one, I believe, is a little bit easier to navigate pastorally. Sure. But in a small group, there's some collateral damage and it's every other small group member there in regards to that,
0: have you seen this happen in your small groups?
1: Absolutely, yeah, it's happened a couple different ways. one One way would be uh, a small group, and one of them's talking about uh, a past relationship, and they start by saying, "You guys know that I was dating Jessica, right?" Well, we did this uh. <laughs> and, <it's>, and Jessica <laughs> is in a small group, like you know 20 yards away, so this is by no means appropriate or you know, I did this with my girlfriend. And so now they've shared the, the kind of thing that they did that they needed to go to confession for that they were struggling with, you know, usually a struggle with purity. And you all know that the only girlfriend I've had is Jessica. Boom. And now it's targeted towards one person. And they, they didn't mean to, they were just trying to add some context to their sharing. And so at this point, what would you do, Matt?
0: I would, I would pretty easily, you know, say, Hey, you know, let's talk about that just you and me you know let's talk about that just you and me and, and then I would address the group and I would I would because I small groups are meant to be confidential and it it's meant to be like what's what's said in small group stays in small group and now that that cat's out of the bag and there's potential gossip out there for other people to talk about outside of the small group I would address the confidentiality right there um, and talk to the whole group about that say hey guys um, this information was private information and should have been kept. You know, I don't even know exactly how I would navigate it because we're not in the situation. But I would say we need to keep this private to honor Jessica or whatever.
1: You just said you're not sure how you'd navigate it because we're not in the situation. This is why we have these conversations. This is why this <laughs> podcast exists, to help people to navigate it because right now they're not in the situation. True. Um, I agree with you uh, 100%. Aside for the not being sure how to navigate it, I would re uh, to the group. I would uh, restate the uh, kind of code or the expectations in regards to how we share. So just a reminder, guys, this is a safe place to share a variety of things. But we want to make sure we share in a way that doesn't use names or doesn't end up leading people to gossip or, th- or think negative thoughts about other people. Yeah. And, and just restate that. And in this case, you know, let's say his name was Jason. Jason could have shared better and not use names. Um, but he did use a name, and I want to remind you guys that this small group has confidentiality. We need to be, you know, and of course we know that you can't remain confidential on everything. Mm-hmm. If they're being hurt or hurting themselves or hurting someone else, we have to report that to the appropriate people. But aside from, and you should share that in your small group code of conduct or in the rules to let them know if you're going to share on that level. And that's the area where I've seen it happen more often is when someone's really struggling with self-harm or maybe a depression or suicidal thoughts. Um, and, and and I have seen it starting to come to where they're, they're starting to cry and starting to share a little bit deeper. And I've, I have paused it. I said, you know, um, Justin, I can see that where you're leading might be something that would be more appropriate for you and me to talk about one-on-one after small group. Yep. You're welcome to continue sharing, but I just want to let you know that it might be more appropriate To talk about it with me one-on-one afterwards. Is that okay? And kind of give them permission to receive a conversation later. You don't want to say, stop talking, that's oversharing. And then they feel like rejected and no one else opens up, not even a sliver, you know, but to redirect it to a more appropriate context is healthy.
0: And the same kind of thing can happen in an adult scenario as well. Um, It may not be quite as, I don't want to say gossipy as that, but it, it can be. It's typically though about... Wounds and hurts, you know, um, you, you guys all know that I was divorced and, and then they name a name when Frank bailed on me and my family, you know, he's such a jerk or, you know, and just goes, I off hate on Frank. That. Golly, that guy, <laughs> any Frank, that's a listener. I'm sorry. <laughs> the, uh, and so that's again, you have to recognize that respectfully, you know, um, stop the person from the conver- like from continuing the conversation and welcome them to a conversation privately afterwards.
1: I've not seen that happen in regards to the actual stopping, because oftentimes when it occurs is that these these parish wide men's retreats or these parish wide women's retreats, and the person who was selected to actually give that talk by leadership these these talks i've seen these talks go for 45 minutes and it's it's just it's not even just people opening up their heart it's almost like people being completely stark naked in front of everyone yeah the whole room is uncomfortable but by the time it's over we can all have a good cry together and then we feel like we've taken a step closer to christ because we've cried for the first time in a long time i think that it's very dangerous in regards to that. And so I don't know how to navigate that piece because I've never been the lead. I've never been in leadership
0: on that piece. That's almost like, even though it's not the leader, that's someone that you've placed in a leadership position. So that's, that's a leader. Like what about the participant in a small group? That's what I was talking about was specifically in a small group, not the, not from the leadership role.
1: Okay. Uh, Yeah. That's next. Uh, Fair enough. I would handle it in a similar way. Yeah. You know,
0: because it can happen with adults as well. It's not just youth.
1: You want to say things like, you know, when we're referring to a priest, we typically say father, so you want to say Father Frank, not just Frank and... am oh, just kidding.
0: Dang, Chris. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Throw Frank under the bus. Let's make him a priest and see how that feels, guys. Um, anyways, okay, moving along. Um, I would navigate it in a similar way. Just say, hey, where we're sharing right now um, might be more appropriate in a different context. And uh, the rules of engagement in regards to sharing is this: because when our sharing turns to gossip or um, something along that, it becomes sinful sharing. Yeah. In a church context, we have set up the small group and have given someone the opportunity to sin in small group yeah. through gossip. Not well, a good idea.
0: And it may just it, like it, that's just it's not just gossip though. When they start opening up this wound, that you can you can see the 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 non-healed wound just oozing out into the small group it's like man this is too much you know and and how to tactfully reorient or redirect you know that person or the small group that's hard um because again that person is is looking for healing Uh, you know i love the rcia example You know, if there's an RCIA night, you know, on the sacraments, and people are talking about marriage, there's a lot of woundedness out there uh, around divorce, and that is going to be the potential. There's going to be potential there for um, for hurts to come out, for wounds to come out, and so we're going to have to, honestly, we have to train our volunteers because we're not all in all of the small groups. Um, We're going to have to train the volunteers to recognize this oversharing when it happens, and then pastorally respond. Right. And so here's one way to pastorally respond is just, I think this
1: is a cause for pause. I love it because it rhymes, so it must be true. Let's take a cause for pause and invite the Holy Spirit into the sharing. I see that we're going in a, in a deeper, maybe more intimate and more vulnerable place. I want to make sure that we're going there appropriately and that we're able to receive it lovingly. And so let's invite the Holy Spirit in. And sometimes that'll tap the brakes long enough for that person to kind of do some self-reflection of... Am I sharing in the right way? Am I sharing to the right depth? Is what I'm saying going to glorify God? And so just cause for pause as the leader of the group to take 30 seconds and invite the Holy Spirit in and then go back to, to the person and say, okay, please continue.
0: Yeah. And you, you, can, you can stop in prayer. You can pray. And then it, it, after the prayer, if you feel like they needed to actually stop, you can say, I think that we need to talk after the group. We need to talk about this after, after the group. Yeah, um, I want to dive a little bit deeper with you. Can we talk about this after the group? And, then, and and
1: I've seen that to where it's like it's it's time for the youth group to end or for the small group to be done, and the sharing the person is in the middle of of the story, and you can tell that like they've still got at least ten more minutes of sharing, and I I need to honor especially with uh, children or, or youth ministry. Like They have to get out to the vehicle because their parents are out there waiting, right? You need to end on time. With adult ministry, you can go a little bit later and people can kind of make that that judgment call on their own. But we want to honor people's time as well, and sometimes uh, that's where we need to step in, even though they're not oversharing, they're just sharing over time.
0: So let's say that uh, still from the participant's perspective let's say that we have made the, one of the biggest leadership faux pas and handed the microphone to some random person in the crowd and said, hey, you know, share what happened to you this weekend or share what happened to you through this talk. And uh, the reason I call that a faux pas is like, you, you want to know what people are saying to a certain extent. Um, and again, this is the balance between you know, vulnerability and allowing the Holy Spirit to move, but then also being prepared to yank that mic back if you need to. So you've, you've handed the mic to someone, and now they're standing up in front of everyone in the crowd, sharing something that you know they need to stop sharing. Right. What do you do?
1: Okay. We pregame it to where they speak with someone beforehand. So when we do open sharing at like the end of a retreat or something along those lines, we have a volunteer on the side that they go talk to, and they know they only have 60 seconds to 90 seconds. We're a big group. And if everyone shared for 30 seconds, we'd be there for four hours, you know, and not that long. I just did the math in my head, whatever, an hour and a half. But we kind of have them share what they're going to share. And then that person kind of shortens it for them or says, okay, you have to share it more this way or that way. And then they're, they're up.
0: So before they get up there, you filter it. Like in, in an appropriate way. You you say, Hey guys, this is the time for us to share God's share the graces that we've received at this event. For us to do that appropriately, you need to speak to so and so in the back. And then from there, um, they will send you over to the microphone.
1: Right. We do it on side stage. Just yep. go talk over on the edge, go line up. But the first person to get it started, we don't have time to do that. It's an open mic, we've just shared the idea and they just walk on up. So for me, I I I know the audience by that point. And three kids will raise their hand. I'll call on the one that I'm pretty confident is going to be the <laughs> the best. Yeah. And then the other ones will go and, and kind of go through the filter process. But if it's going on, I always stand right next to them. And the reason why I stand right next to them in those type of public testimony, public sharing type of pieces is twofold. One, if they start crying, it is awkward to be in a church setting and have someone weeping on stage by themselves. Yep. Christ would stand next to them and Amen. put his arm on their shoulder or something like that. And number two, um, if they start going down a path that they shouldn't, I'm right next to them and that they actually my behavior is similar. I come in and I kind of put my hand on their shoulder, give them a little squeeze and might, might whisper wrap it up or might whisper kind of shift a little bit, you know, and just to where they can hear me. If that doesn't work, then I, I will gently take the microphone and say, thank you so much for sharing. We're out of time or... Um, We might be going down a path that might be better shared in a different context, but I have to say it into the microphone so that they hear, but that the teens or that the rest of the group also hears that this is why this was being redirected. Otherwise, it looks mean to just yoink and kick them off stage. It feels like uh, where they're getting X's on those talent shows, you know, (laughs) like that's not what I want. Like, I want you to share. There's no major risk in coming to share. It's a safe place, but we can't overshare.
0: So this, this kind of makes us talk about preparing people to share. That's the, the best way to avoid the potential of oversharing is preparing people to do so if they're going to do so in, in person. We, like, I'm looking at the time, Chris, and we are running low on time. Um, are we going to be able to get through the rest of this or are we going to have to start a, a second episode from this? Yeah, I think this might be a part two podcast, but let's, let's walk down that
1: path of how to prepare them to share. And then in our next podcast, we can talk about what does authentic or appropriate vulnerability look, look like? Yeah. So, so we, we talked about some of the things that have crossed the line, but how can we still open our lives up as ministry leaders, open our hearts up as ministry leaders without risking that oversharing or distracting from the gospel with that sharing? So we'll talk about that maybe in next week's podcast. But for today, how do we prepare people?
0: Yeah, because you just gave a good example of preparing people for, I guess, on-the-spot sharing and how to prepare, I guess, how to run that as a leader. You know, having them go through kind of a filter process or a preparation process before they get the microphone and share. So there are other times when you know that you want someone to share next week or two weeks from now or there's a particular topic that you know that someone is healed from or has had experience that the rest of the group would benefit hearing.
1: Right. And so I think this is where we talk about The difference between a talk and a testimony. Yes. A talk has catechetical catechetical objectives that it seeks to accomplish, Um, spiritual information that seeks to be uh, conveyed. A testimony is kind of like the gospel according to you. You share your own personal experience and where God uh, was with you along the way or where you met or found God along the way. And so you start with where you were at, what the encounter was, and what life was like after. Now, where I've seen the most uh, danger occur is the where you were at before you really encountered
0: Christ or before you had that conversion. Before you move on. So between a talk and a testimony, have you seen like many issues of oversharing in a talk?
1: Only because when people are trying to be authentic in the talk, they accent it with the personal testimony, kind of peppered in. So I'm going to share with you guys about confession. And then they... Pepper the catechesis of confession into their own journey towards understanding or having a powerful confession. So yes, in both a talk and a testimony, you need to offer some guidance or guidelines. But in testimonies in particular, it's all personal experience in the light of
0: Christ. Do you do talk previews with anybody that gives a presentation at your events? Uh,
1: with uh, testimonies and with uh, minors, like uh, you know, anyone 18 or under, absolutely. With adults, uh, it depends on the adults. So we have a team of adults that I've been working with, some of them, for 10 years. Uh-huh. And so there's certain adults that I know have it down. And you, don't, there's other you adults, don't need to. And I don't need to. And there's other adults. Yeah, absolutely. But a new uh, and volunteer. Some, a, a new volunteer, a first-time speaker, or someone who uh, in the past has needed some help or guidance. And it's not always, it's not always this, oh, I'm going to make sure that you don't mess up. Yeah. Yeah. Most of the time when I'm meeting with people, it's, I want to empower you to be able to best share your gifts, best showcase uh, your catechesis. I mean, how do we take
0: your talk to the next level, right? Oh, next level. <laughs> you guys know this is a ministry of next level ministries. I just had to toss that in there for Chris. It's
1: next level ministry. Do that, <laughs> do that every time. Singular.
0: Do that every time. Okay. So good. most most often the the trouble comes with testimonies and even within a talk, it's a testimony within a talk Correct. that tends to be, you know, the the issue. So so how do we prepare people to give testimonies because we want them to be real. We want them to connect with other people that are going through the same thing. That's the whole reason we're doing this. And so you don't want to just completely cover up things and say, hey guys, I used to be bad, but I found Jesus and now I'm good. You know, that's lame. But that, that used to be bad part is
1: normally where the trip up over sharing occurs. Absolutely. And so I walk them through and I'm like, how does this serve the purpose of the overall testimony? And I've seen people to where they're like, my father, you know, he would lock me in the closet and he would only feed me by sliding fruit roll-ups under the door and it was blah, 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 horrible. <laughs> and I'm like, Holy cow, <laughs> that's oversharing, <laughs> you know? But then I'm able to share with them, you're going to lose your audience because not everyone in the room can relate to that aspect. Yeah. So instead, if you could say in high school, it was a real difficult time. There was, uh, my father and I had a really bad relationship and it got heated and it was, ju- it was just toxic. Everyone in that room can relate to a bad relationship with their father at some point, tension with their father at some point. And now you've made your testimony more accessible. And thus, it's going to be more effective, right? Yeah. So sometimes sharing less is reaching more.
0: Yeah, there's a, a level. Like if you look at the triangle, you know, or look at a triangle, if you give a very specific instance of what happened to you, there are going to be a very few people that have that experience. If you broaden the experience, like you said, you make it a little bit more general, then you broadened the, the, audience, audience, reach. the audience. But then if you go too far down there and you make it, you know, my dad and I didn't get along, you know, or something like that, just really super, I don't know, then, then nobody. It seems connects. inauthentic. Yes, absolutely. Right
1: At that point, it seems inauthentic. So there is there is a balance. You want to step and add just enough. But there's another piece that sometimes occurs, and I've heard it happen like this, and uh, and, and maybe I'll overshare a little bit, but I think that at one point in your life, you could have probably shared something along the lines of, yeah, I was, you know, drinking all the time in college, and I mean, we were doing this and doing this, and it was crazy. Like, we were the biggest partiers that you've ever seen. Yep. And now, what are you doing? You're glorifying the sin. You've got pride in there. You know. You've got pride. Yeah, exactly. And uh, and so, how does that serve the gospel if there's a bunch of people listening and being like, yeah, that sounded awesome. <laughs> that sounds awesome. I want to do that i heard someone share one time uh this was a a high school student and he was he was in youth group with me real involved and he's like i'm so glad that i lost my virginity because now i can give a better purity testimony (laughs) what (laughs) i'm like no
0: no that is not no you don't so it, it would glorify sin there are some testimonies that you're just not supposed to give I really wish I was beaten as a child because then I could give a testimony about that. It's like, no, you've you've got your own things. You've got your own path, your own gifts to give. And most of us, you know, because everyone
1: wants the St. Paul conversion testimony where it was like, boom, night and day. But most of us are St. Peter's. We just you know, do stupid things in little ways, and God loves us in spite of those things. And all of a sudden, he calls us to greatness through that. Like, that is most of our experience. And the important thing to note is that's also most of the experience of our audience, yep. of the people that are sitting out there listening. And so if the only type of testimonies that we're giving or putting up on our stage or handing the microphone to are these people that have had these uh, miraculous, like, huge lightning bolt type of testimonies then it makes it sound like everyone else's experience is invalid. Yeah. So and get I've, some testimonies that might seem otherwise boring, but they're really authentic and really accessible.
0: I've absolutely heard people say, I feel like God hasn't been active in my life because I've never gone through anything big. I've never, I've never cheated. I've never stolen. I've never had, I haven't had any premarital sex. I haven't had any of these issues, so God must not love me. You know, Or I, I, I don't have anything great to share. And that's bull. We need to get those people up there to share that, you know, and even even that struggle that they just shared with you. That I I felt like that God didn't love me or that God wasn't communicating to me. But when I realized that He's protecting me from this or He's whatever, that that's a testimony in a, in, in itself. And yep. people in the audience need to hear that.
1: Yeah, because I've seen it happen too after a retreat. Saturday night on a, on the retreat, there were a number of people that were crying because of a, a powerful experience in adoration or something like that. There were also a number of people not crying, but they were having a powerful experience in adoration. And the next day at the breakfast table, everyone's talking about it. Oh, did you cry? Did you cry? Did you cry? No, I didn't cry. I guess Jesus didn't show up for me. (laughs)
0: All right, guys, we are coming to the end of the podcast. Um, Chris and I, like, I I wasn't sure how how much content we would have for this podcast and look at it. Now we've got two. I had a list to navigate this a little thing
1: called show prep. And uh, we just moved through it a lot slower because I don't think Matt was looking at his list.
0: Oh, I so, totally looked at my list. And then I realized that we were only halfway through the list. It's like, holy moly.
1: So ladies and gentlemen, like the good Bon Jovi told us once, we're halfway there. Whoa, living on a prayer. And so thank you guys so much for joining us today. Let's continue the conversation
0: online. Please send feedback to mla at ablazeyouth.org and share this podcast with someone.
1: And here at Ministry Leaders Anonymous, we believe that if you want to go quickly,
0: go alone. And if you want to go far, we go together.
1: Take some time this week to pray for other ministry leaders and to pray about how to best help people navigate the appropriate level of vulnerability in ministry.
0: We will see you next week on Ministry Leaders Anonymous. God bless you.